What up? We are back again today in the studio, and it is time to get the ball rolling. What up? We are back again today in the studio. Happy to be with you guys. It has been a minute since uh, we released a podcast. I decided uh, after a little bit of contemplation and a little bit of uh, thinking, pondering, whatever you want to call it, uh, soul searching, that I was going to talk about the college football expansion, uh, I, I guess conference expansion, and uh, and what I think, what are my thoughts on that, uh, how it affects the FCS. I know a lot of our listeners uh, enjoy the FCS and uh, just kind of the overall state of college football. And so we will be jumping into that today. Again, always happy to be with you guys uh, and talking about college football. You guys know that I absolutely love college football, so that's kind of what uh, the docket looks like today. And uh, pretty coming up pretty soon, just a few housekeeping items. Obviously, we have college football right around the corner, uh, about a month and a half away, six or so weeks. And so, we're going to continue to bring you uh, the FCS uh, and FBS. Uh, a couple years ago, when I, when I started this podcast, we did an FCS one uh, podcast on Thursday, and I believe it was an FBS on uh, Tuesday. So it was kind of flipped Tuesday, Thursday, right? And then uh, we'd have our predictions on Friday. Uh, last year, or 2020, I consolidated, mainly because the FCS didn't play in the, in the fall. They played in the spring. And then last year, I did a lot more FCS, and it seemed to go really well. Uh, however, the, the FBS still had quite a big uh, following, and so we'll kind of see, kind of play it by ear. Uh, a few rules that I always have, I never release top 25 rankings until I am able to see these teams play uh, two or three games. Uh, I know that's a very controversial take, and I've been made fun of it. Uh, I've had people message me on Twitter and told me to my face that I am stupid for doing that, that I should release it. Uh, I don't know what I'm talking about, but uh, mainly because I want to see, I'm not saying that I know more football. I'm not saying that I can look at stats. I can, I can mull over the transfer portal. I can look through recruiting rankings, but I, but I want to see it. And and I feel like uh, once when I see it, I get a feel for the team, the way the teams play, then I'm able to make a better, uh, better accurate prediction as to where I see uh, each of these teams, uh, you know, ranking. I do release an FCS uh, top 25, uh, in years past, it's been 15. Uh, I believe last year we did a 25. We rattled them off uh, a little bit more, where I had a little bit more time and uh, to be able to watch, you know, all of the games. So we're going to continue to do that. Uh, a lot of fun things coming up. As always, uh, be sure to check out the Orange and Blue podcast as well. Uh, if you like uh, Boise State football, we do a podcast over there uh, specifically about Boise State and then as well as Slinging the Pill podcast. Uh, it's, uh, that I have a co-host, my one of my best friends in the world, Jeff Tuckett. Him and I talk about high school football, specifically in the state of Utah. So if you're interested in those, be sure to check it out. Of course, as always, let's get into uh, the state of college football. So... My first initial thought, uh, as always uh, in in this day and age, uh, you see kind of this explosion, right? Uh, you get it. You get an alert from the ESPN app. Uh, you know. It, 
old school. You can read it in the newspaper, throw on Sports Center, watch in Fox Sports, where, wherever you get your content. You probably saw, you know, breaking news USC and UCLA set to join the Big Ten in the 2024 season. So we're in the 2022 season. Uh, they'd have this year, they'd play out next year, and then the following year they would be in the Big Ten. And like most people uh, in my generation, you know, I'm, I'm in my mid-20s, uh, I rush immediately to Twitter, and everyone has basically the same banal take, right? There's two takes. This is ridiculous for college football. This is great for college football. That's it. Two takes. Both banal. No no originality whatsoever. Uh, and, and that's one of the reasons why I like to wait. I, I like to marinate on things. Uh, a lot of times, you know, I, I don't think it's good. It's always good to be first. It's good to get it right. Um, I, could, I could only imagine, uh, you know, yeah, you can, you can do things quick. You can do things, you know, breakneck speed. You can break all this news. But if it's the wrong news or if it's the wrong service, then why are you wasting your time? Could you imagine if, you know, you're sitting at the In-N-Out Burger and you're like, you know, I got the double-double, and they come out with a lettuce wrap. And it's like, well, I got it done, you know, and in two minutes, well, I, I didn't order the, the, the lettuce wrap. But so many people are so quick, and they don't care. They just kind of throw things together. And, and so uh, that's why I like to wait mostly on these things, uh, just to wait, let it sink in go on a couple runs, talk to some of my friends, uh, reach out to people in the industry. I've, I was able to, to text a few of the college football coaches that we've had on this podcast before, what their thoughts on it are. Do you like it? Do you think it's good for college football? Do you think it's bad for college football? Do you think that the, that an expansion of the FBS is good, you know, specifically to the FCS? And I got a lot of different responses, so that's what I like to do. Um, I, 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 most people call it journalism. That's, that's kind of what I like to think of, right? Not uh, this instant tabloid stuff. And it, Unfortunately, that's just the the way that we live in and sometimes it's good sometimes you know maybe maybe I won't find an original take after all of this time so I'm just going to give you my opinion on this but so many people were quick it was you're you're basically put in two camps very very divisive right you either loved it or you hated it and, and so I want to go back let's frame this argument to start out right we all love college football. College football is great. Started back in 1869 with Rutgers playing, uh, the, I, was, I believe it was the University of New Jersey, later went on to become Princeton. And I'm sure in, in 1869, that was a pretty big deal. But I, I, I can't imagine uh, people you know, in San Francisco really knowing about what's going on in 1869 in, in, in New Jersey, playing this goofy game, right? This, this game and it's college boys between two universities. Hey, but they did it. Congratulations, Rutgers, birthplace of college football. Few decades pass, 1921, we finally get the first college football game on the radio. West Virginia versus Pittsburgh, great regional rivalry, right? Mountaineers versus the Panthers, they're the first ones to call on the radio. 1921, we're into the you know the roaring 20s, stock market going up, the invention of the, the Federal Reserve a few years earlier. Little do, we do, do people know at that time, we're going to have a huge economic crisis a few years later. But regardless, 1921, we finally get uh, college football on the radio. 1939, first college football game on TV. So we kind of pick up from being the first game played in 1869 to the first one. Uh, you know, on the radio in 1921, uh, we now move 1939, just a few years down the road, first game on TV, 1939, right? Uh, a lot of crazy things going on, but Fordham against Waynesburg College, first game on TV. And then we have what feels like 
uh, a, a millennia, <laughs> and it's not quite that long. 1939, the national champion was uh, Texas A&M, if you want to know, uh, according to the AP poll. And basically, uh, college football is just kind of is segmented, right? Uh, the, call, the, the Rose Bowl used to be the national championship. They had different things. Uh, there were some years where we had three national champions, uh, such as 1964, Alabama, Arkansas, Notre Dame. Uh, and, and then finally... Uh, into the the 1970s, we kind of start consolidating to who the real national champion is, right? 1979, you know, Oklahoma's national champion. Uh, 1978, Alabama and, and Southern California. But we still have a couple of them. It, it's kind of split between, we have some, uh, in 1990, you know, you have Colorado and Georgia Tech, who is the real national champion. And then the BCS is created. Um, you know, there used to be the AP, the FWAA, NFF, USA slash ESPN poll. Finally, in 1998, after Michigan and Nebraska in 97, 1998, Tennessee wins the first national championship under the BCS banner. And basically from then, excluding the year 2003, where LSU and USC were considered the national champions, um, we have one national champion. But, but for years, we had multiple national champions. Champions. Some years we only had one, and some years we had three, right? Three, uh, four. In 1919, Harvard, Illinois, Notre Dame, Texas A&M. We had a lot of national champions back then. So, the, so it kind of gets consolidated, right? And I, and, and personally, I think it's because of the money. Um, you know, TV, even though it was, you know, back in 1939 was the first game, uh, they're really starting to see that... Uh, now we're really starting to see TV ratings. We're seeing money put into advertising. We can kind of see the the evolution of what college football is in, in today's day and age, which which is so much fun. We love college football. And we love so many aspects of college football. Uh, this year is a very special year for me because uh, as I'm preparing, you know, doing my predictions uh, for the FBS and FCS, I come across my my alma mater, uh, Utah Tech University, uh, formerly Dixie State University, right? Now they're Utah Tech. November 19th, they're playing in Lavelle Edwards Stadium, right? We'll be on ESPN. Uh, the, the, the Trailblazers are taking on the Cougars, and that's what makes it so fun because I graduated from Dixie State, now Utah Tech, right? Probably do this for a year, and then I'll just refer to it as Utah Tech. It's, it's hard because I went to, to, to Dixie State, but now it's Utah Tech with the name change. But I still love the University of Utah. Grew up rooting for the U. And so you kind of get these teams that you love. A lot of people love Notre Dame. Not very many people go to Notre Dame. Uh, they might go to their, their regional school in Idaho and Indiana and Illinois, but they love Notre Dame and that's completely fine. And so you kind of get this blend of, of brands that you've watched your entire life on top of your alma mater and, and the teams that that you love you you went to school there you you spent four years usually you know you graduate on time you spent four years there some of the greatest years of your life spent in college you know living in the dorms with your friends and everything and so that's what makes college football so unique is that there's there's regional there's a regionality to college football on top of a nationality right there's people across the entire United States that love Michigan football, that love Ohio State football, that love Notre Dame, Alabama. And then there's the people that, you know what, they love Marshall University in Huntington, West Virginia. They love it. In Ypsilanti, Michigan, uh, they, are, they love Eastern Michigan University. 
But you know what? They might be cheering for Michigan, right? They might uh, turn on ESPN and, and watch the Wolverines. But you know what? In the Ypsilanti, that might be the biggest thing to do on a Saturday. I love it. College football is amazing. And, and we can all, you know, I can go on and on and list all of the things that we love about college football. But with anything, uh, there's always a, a certain, you know, uh, problems or, or, or what's going on behind the scenes, correct? And some of the college football problems that we are dealing with uh, on a on a yearly basis can be boiled down into really what I think is four, if you want to go there, maybe five issues. So let's jump into some of the problems that I see and why I think that this move can fix some of those issues uh, and try to forecast, try to look around the corner, right? Uh, of what might be coming down the pipeline. So number one, uh, for since 1998, right, when, when we finally get the BCS and, and college football's exploding, even though there were a lot of fans prior to that, but 1998, you get the BCS uh, and, and nationally recognized. I mean, it's going to be a television event, the national championship, we're going to get, you know, one playing two. That's what it was. Well, since then, we've seen an evolution. Uh, people, uh, a lot of coaches and, and and prior to this it was happening too but a lot of teams got caught with cheating scandals uh had scholarships taken away from them had uh, a myriad of things happen right and so one of the big issues was nil name image and likeness and it wasn't until this last year when we finally i mean the uh, california ruled that it could it can you know People can make money off of name image and likeness. Uh, the the snowball kind of rolls down. Now everybody can make money off of name, image, and likeness, right? And uh, and the NCAs they're they're freaking out because they want to keep it amateur. But but really, uh, when you're playing on ESPN and you know uh, uh, on the national championship and 15 million people are watching, you know, in my opinion, I think you should be able to profit from it. Uh, I, I've talked a lot about it. I, I was on the cross country team at at my alma mater, Dixie State, and. And I understand it was just cross country. It was uh, seasonal. I, I, I ran in the fall, and then in the spring we did track. But during cross country season, because that was the, our our main focus of the team, uh, the way that it was set up, right? Uh, we were we were working out basically twice a day, uh, five to six times a week, on top of doing at least fifteen hours credit hours in school, and. And then you're going to have to, uh, those kinds of things on on your own, and uh, on top of sleeping eight hours, and then having a, a social life in college. And uh, if you weren't 100% scholarship, which because cross country is such a small sport, most people weren't. Uh, some people had you know could could stack their scholarships, academic and then athletic, right? But if you didn't, you had no way to pay for for food. And we're talking about athletes that are performing at their their peak ability, right? And so that was my experience as a cross country runner. And and football's definitely different. They they have to do film. They're in the weight room a lot more than what we were. Than just you know two times a week. They're doing different kind of practices, team practices versus individualized practices. Uh, the people that that uh, you know say, well, you're going to go get an education that is is somewhat ignorant because you don't understand what it's like being a college a, a college athlete on top of having strict academic standards that you have to keep everybody on campus knowing you and knowing that you have to be set at you know the example 
for the rest of the school. On top of, you're going to have uh, you know, my my university required that we do a study hall. And so, uh, <clears throat> yes, the athletes have uh, resources, but it's there's no preferential treatment uh, given. At least, you know, at my university, maybe it's different at bigger universities and in, in different sports. But that's what we were. That's what we were required to do on top of community service. And so really being able to work, having a little bit of extra cash, I think is phenomenal for the college athlete. Uh, there were a lot of nights where, you know, you're eating ramen noodles and uh, you have to go run. I would have to go run uh, 16 miles the next morning. And uh, ramen noodles were not that, that nutritional value. So uh, as long as, you know, the athletes are taking care of themselves, which I know they are. I never knew of an athlete that was reckless, at least at my university. Uh, and so when you see that, when you see what's kind of behind the curtain, what's asked of these athletes, you're like, okay, maybe it's all right that they gain compensated. And we fix that with the NIL. So you can put a little check mark, okay? Now, I think that NIL is still kind of crazy. The transfer portal, uh, people see that they're being bought or, or, you know, they're using recruitment. Uh, those kinds of things, we're going to, those are going to be issues that we're going to have to deal with down the road. But for the most part, the players are being taken care of better than what they ever have been. The next problem is, is urgency, right? And a lot of people, and I see this and I think it's funny, right? They, uh, they, they whine and they cry, about things that are wrong with college football, but they're not willing, I mean, they're not putting their money where their mouth is. Uh, and and that's one of the issues with college football is urgency. So I went back and I was like, you know what? Let's just take a random Saturday. We'll just pull week seven. We'll just do a week seven. Who was the biggest ratings? Who was it? And what, what, what was going on? Uh, and, and so I pulled that, right? Last year, the biggest of, of, of week seven, the biggest rating we had was Georgia playing Kentucky. Uh, Georgia won by a score of 30 to 13. It was the highest. It scored a 3.65 rating. Six million people watched it, which, which is significant. That was the highest of the day. Uh, the next highest, I believe, was like 1.2 uh, rating, which is about a little over a million. Uh, and then we were down into the decimals. So a few thousand people were watching. And so that was just a random Saturday. So then on the same time, I was like, okay, well, I selected week seven. Let's go to the NFL week seven. Uh, week seven on the early window uh, in the NFL, we had Washington playing Green Bay, Philadelphia playing Las Vegas. You got one or the other, but the ratings for all to intents and purposes, 80% of the country saw Washington Green Bay. The other 20 saw Las Vegas and Philly, right? Uh, that scored an 8.2 rating. 15.7 million people watched. Now, that is almost double what we had on the highest college football day. And that wasn't even the highest rated day. That was just open window on Fox. Who was playing? What was the rating? That's what we got. 15.7 million. And there were a couple games that were a little bit lower. But for the most part, we'll just say NFL average is about 15 million on a given Sunday uh, uh, on individual games, right? And so you're like, okay, that's a double. That's just a random one. Well, well what was the national championship? The national championship pulled in a 12.1 rating. 27.56 million people watched it. Uh, I think a lot of people this year watched it. It was one of the highest rated national championships just because they, they, I think that there was more of a sentiment that Georgia was going to win. We were going to be seeing a new national champion that we hadn't seen in a while. Uh, they were playing Alabama. Alabama gets really big ratings despite what people think. So, 12.1. Highest rated regular season game 
for the for the regular season in college football. Ohio playing Michigan. They scored at 8.1. Uh, 15.8 million people were watching at, at a given time, right? And so that game, the highest game in, in college football, basically averaged what a normal NFL game. Las Vegas and, and Philly, you're like, okay, well, those were both playoff teams, uh, both wildcard teams. And uh, the Green Bay Packers and the Washington, uh, the football team, now the Commanders, right? Uh, just a random game. So, but but that's how many people were, were, were scored. That's what the ratings were. And so, you got to kind of put your money where your mouth is. Everybody, you know, whines and cries about college football, but then they don't watch the games. And maybe some of you do out there. And, I, and I'm just being completely uh, wrong on on my my assessment. But you've got to watch the games in order to um, you got to watch it in order to have an opinion. And, and I hate to say this, uh, but I kind of see it the same thing as 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 in politics, right? A lot of people will complain about their locality. I mean, we're not going to talk about federal government, but a lot of people will cr- complain about their locality, and they don't vote for their mayor. They'll vote for their city council. They're not willing to go out and, and and go to the polls and vote and put your put your voice into the the locality your 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 city and but you sit there and complain because there's a pothole on your way to work and nobody's ever going to fix it you don't get to complain if you don't get a, if you don't vote you don't get to complain about college football you don't get to criticize college football unless you're watching you want to know something I was watching that Georgia Kentucky game and you know what I will be more than happy to watch New Mexico play UTEP on September seventeenth this year. That that's my jam, and so I and I'm not saying that my opinion is 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 greater, but if you're not watching those, at least the big games, you don't get to complain about it. You're like, oh well, college football's ruined and blah blah blah. But but there's a certain there's a certain pageantry about college football. But for sure, urgency is a big one. Kentucky, Georgia. I, I didn't really care. I mean, I knew George was good. I knew Kentucky, uh, you know, under under Coach Stoops, had been playing well. But I didn't think it was like, I, if I miss this game, I'm, I'm going to die. I'm, I, you know, I, I cannot miss this game. This is the most important thing in my life right now. I, you know, it, definitely I'd be lying to you if I didn't say that that wasn't the case. I, I for sure thought, okay, well, good. I'll just throw this on while I'm playing some, you know, Nintendo Switch or PlayStation and listen to it in the background and, and listen and, and watch college football and because, you know, it's passive fcs off whatever but urgency creating a sense of urgency right georgia and texas will get me to a tv screen oklahoma playing lsu will get me to a team uh, a screen usc playing ohio state for sure i'll tune into that one i think providing those and and, and usc and ucla they're they're unique right ucla's football struggled in years past they're not as dominant as has usc but usc is a little bit more storied um you know liner reggie bush those kinds of guys right but as you continue as, as you really you know analyze it yeah there's a sense of urgency the nfl puts it on uh they they, they make it and they expanded the playoffs, so we get seven teams. I mean, there were there were eleven teams that were fighting for seven spots last year. The last week in the season, there's only sixteen in each, you know, uh, respective conference. That's urgency. That means five people were out. You know, once when you hit that six losses, if if you're a Wyoming, you hit six losses. You're like, man, we've got to win four straight to go to a bowl game. That's the sense of urgency that you know that that college football needs in providing big games to a national audience. 
Another one, uh, regionality. If you just pull up the list of national champions uh, just in the last decade, Georgia, Bama, LSU, Clemson, Bama, Clemson, Bama, Ohio, uh, Florida State, Bama, Bama, Auburn, Bama, Florida, LSU, Florida, Texas. That was down to 2005, right? Most of them are in the South, and, and it makes sense. They are the only show in town. Clemson, South Carolina, what are you doing on a, on a given Saturday night? We're going to the Clemson game. They don't have an NFL team. Uh, they don't have uh, baseball team. We don't have a hockey team in Clemson. Clemson is the only show in town, and, and that's completely fine. And that's what's great about college football. Now, Georgia and Athens are an hour outside of Atlanta, but Georgia football matters. In the South, the, the football matters a little bit more than out West. The out, out West is a distracted market. Denver, you've got Boulder right there. You've got Colorado Springs, right? Just a little bit further south, and you got Fort Collins a little bit to the east. Uh, those kinds of things, it matters. The Denver Broncos are a lot more of a prominent brand than any other schools in Colorado. In LA, you think about it, they have two teams basically per sport. You've got the Lakers, the Clippers, the Rams, they've got the Chargers, right? The Chargers haven't made the playoffs, but they have Justin Herbert. You're going to tune into that. And if and if uh, you know USC is going four and eight, you're not going to go to the Coliseum. That's not important. You've got the beach. You've got you've got the Dodgers. You've got the the Rams. You're going to spend your money in other places than going to the Coliseum and watching it. Now, if USC turns it around and they can bring in the city of Los Angeles, which arguably USC is one of the, the long-standing ones, I would say the Dodgers, the Lakers, and USC they, they matter to that Los Angeles market. And if you have Ohio playing USC on a on a Friday night or on a Saturday night in October, people in LA will show up. They'll show out to that game. It matters more. There's a more sense of urgency because you know it's it's the Big Ten. It's a little bit different. Uh, in, in my opinion. But the regionality of it, uh, we're taking a lot of regional brands and trying to make it national. There's really only 10 or 12 national brands. You've got your Ohio, Michigan, you know, Bama, uh, Florida, Notre Dame, Texas, Oklahoma a little bit, USC. Uh, but for the most part, I'm not going to go over to uh, Durham, North Carolina and see a, a University of Utah fan. I'm not, I'm not going to see that. And so regionality affects it. Now we're, we're taking a regional sport and trying to make it national. They're based, everyone's saying, you know, it's going into two conferences or, or three conferences, four conferences. We're getting rid of the Pac-10 or Pac-12. Now it's the Pac-10 right now, quote unquote, right? Uh, they're moving into the Big 12. They'll move into the ACC. We want to do this weird. And, and I don't know what's going to happen. And I can I have predictions. I think that the Pac-12 will be done. I think most of them will be absorbed by other conferences. I wouldn't be surprised if the AAC tries to make an East and a West, pull in uh, you know some of the remaining Pac-12 members and make you know and and pull in the best in the Mountain West and kind of create an East-West scenario. I, I could see things like that. Uh, I, I see the University of Utah, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State. I see them joining the Big 12. They're already kind of geographically. Uh, it would be awesome to see Utah and TCU play again. Utah, BYU. Those kinds of things will make it fun on top of Utah, Colorado, which has kind of been an established rivalry. And then get Nebraska out of the Big 10. It's ridiculous that they're there. Nebraska needs to be in the Big 12. That's just my opinion. But 
regionality. So it's really going to be an experiment. Can we make these regional brands? You know, the University of Utah, they went to the Rose Bowl last year. And honestly, this year they might, they have probably one of the best ways to go undefeated. Uh, only going, they're going on the road to the Swamp first game of the season. Uh, and then at Oregon late in the season, they always play well against Oregon. Uh, and they get USC at home. They always struggle in the Coliseum. They don't play well in the Coliseum. They play the best at home. They ha- they could go undefeated, and and if they can, if they you know if they're in the Big Twelve or in the Big Ten, they can promote that brand into a national brand, and that's going to be on the conferences, the individual conferences, in order to do that. Uh, and so the regionality is another one. And then finally, the fourth, maybe the and then I can get into the fifth, but it's the false hope that, that college football gives. Right now, um, a lot of people will might argue with me about this quote-unquote false hope that I'm going to be talking about. But really, in my opinion, uh, the false hope, I, I love the show Ted Lasso, and they had a, a saying on there, you know, it's the hope that kills you. Uh, and, and really, uh, it is. As a University of Utah fan, I will say in 2008-2009, we were the national champions. We should have... We would have beat uh, Florida that year. We we boat raced Bama in the Sugar Bowl. We were the best team, and I want to say that right. Uh, Cincinnati uh, two years ago in 2020 they went nine and one. Uh, they did lose, you know, in the Peach Bowl, but they were undefeated nine and zero. They were on top of the world. Then they got into the College Football last year, playoff last year, and they got boat raced six to twenty seven. It's the hope that kills you, right? You continue to hope, you continue to want to see your team get there. Right now, under the current infrastructure, it's not there. It's a false hope. It's a false narrative that that, that, that was created by the power conferences. Oh, you know, we're gonna let the, the the little guys, you know, have a chance. The Boise States, the TCU's, the University of Utah's. When they had their good years, we'll bring them up. The, we've only had one incident, and they got destroyed. Since Cincinnati was manhandled by Alabama, right? And maybe it was just the right team. Maybe I'm, I'm basing an entire opinion on, on just one instance, but I saw it. I saw it happen. And so right now, under the current <clears throat> college football uh, infrastructure, it just it's not plausible, right? But now, now you know, you see with this gateway, we're kind of going to go into the gateway, and this is why I say it's the fifth problem into the to the solution, right? Uh, the NCAA. Really, the governing body isn't as important as the individual conferences. I think the conferences are going to push for an expanded playoffs, uh, a 16, 20, 24 team playoff. I would not be surprised if they did that. If you had, you know, two power conferences with a bunch of these other ones, you know, the Big 12 will still be a power conference. ACC, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with the remaining of the Pac-12 and, and, and some of these other littler schools, right? But for the most part, you're going to see this, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Big Ten and the SEC push for an expansion of the playoff. A lot of people want it. We love playoffs. You know, highest ratings basically every single year is the men's NCAA championship, their tournament. We love seeing the 15 take off the two, the 14 get to the Sweet 16. Now they might get boat race in the Sweet 16, but you know what? They made it out there. They did it. It was amazing. We love that kind of stuff. And if you expand the playoff, I think that not only are you going to have the underdogs maybe take down the Bamas, uh, the, the the Ohio's, the the you know the Floridas, those the big brands, right? Uh, you know, like a little uh, a lowly University of Utah take down the mighty brand of Alabama. But you're also going to have the opportunity to play those games 
at the stadiums. Uh, you know, no neutral site games. I hate the neutral site game. I think it's stupid. Uh, but play them on campus. You know, allow the students to participate in it. Give that atmosphere that makes college football so special. So, like, yeah, the NCAA, I think, is somewhat of a problem to the overall college football. But we're kind of moving away from the NCAA. I think the conferences will now be in charge. Uh, I continue to, to say that we need a, somewhat of a commissioner or an advocate or a czar, whatever you want to say, in charge of it. It's a billion-dollar business. We should have somebody in charge of it, not a governing body like the NCAA who is stuck in the absolute past. Uh, you've got to be able to, 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 to adapt and evolve. Now, I understand that um, you know you're going to say well the expansion of the college football playoff it might not be good we're okay last year in the big in the in the in the big dance in the tourney we had nine big 10 teams we had uh, six SEC teams, six Big East teams, and six Big 12 teams. Nobody whined and cried. We're just like, yeah, you know what? Big 10, they play good basketball. We want to see Iowa. We want to see Purdue. We want to see Michigan. We want to see Ohio. We, we want to see those teams. We do. They're good. We don't care if, if it might mean that the, the ACC only gets five. We want to see them. So if you expand, you know, the college football playoff to 16, 20 teams, it wouldn't be surprising if there was, you know, seven SEC teams and only, you know, two or three Big 12 teams. Yeah, I could see it. But you know what? It would give you the hope. Yeah, I, I'd put Utah up against Arkansas 10 times out of 10. I'd put Utah up against Florida this year. They're playing. They're going to win. University of Utah into the swamp market, in my opinion. But but for the most part, you're like you know what we're we're used to having that expansion and gets rid of the whole you know oh you know they booby the SEC. Well, you know what we're going to have the opportunity, which gives us more of a hope. Now, if you're an FCS fan, which I am, you still see the dominance of North Dakota State. It doesn't matter. You can expand the college football playoff in in FCS out to 64. Odds are, in the last you know ten years, uh, North Dakota State's going to win. Uh, they're they're nine for nine. I mean, they they're an absolute dominant powerhouse. Uh, and I understand that a lot of these things uh, are are scary. And I think a lot of it has to do with the generation that is now uh, you know moving into the workforce and what the major TV markets are trying to attract. I think they don't really care about you know uh, the the the. The older people that are, you know, yelling at the clouds about how college football was great in the 1960s, I don't think they care about that. I think their main demographic they're trying to get is the, you know, less than 30-year-olds, the kids that are on TikTok, the kids that are, you know, moving. Uh, they want to cater to them, and that's why you see the, the, the evolution of college football. Tech has, has a major impact in this. Right now, I work for a tech company, and in, in the meeting, we had been doing something since the, the, the conception of the company, and the CEO was like, throw it out. Why are we even doing it? That's stupid. That was so, you know, three, four years ago. We're going to do it like this. Completely throw something out. Uh, an, an idea, a, a process that had been working, you know, moving quick. Uh, evolving rapidly and it's going to be scary change is scary for most people uh you even look in, in every single industry i was talking with my family about the music industry i love ajr i love 21 pilots ajr's all-time band never going to question it they have they they release an album every two to three years there's artists right now that are trying to release a song a month that's an album you know 12 songs for you know two and a half three years that's not a lot of songs, and you have this big, long wait. The world is changing. Again, it might be scary to some people, but you've got to be able to be willing to adapt to it. You've got to be willing to change for it because a lot smarter people than myself, than yourself out there, are figuring out these complex issues and making it the best product, the best TV uh, you know, 
product possible for us to then consume as a consumer to enjoy. Um, there's been a lot of issues with attendance in college football, mainly because of the, the amount of games that you can watch at home. You know, ESPN lets you have up to four, you know, four screens uh, just on the TV. I have multiple TVs, so I'll throw up, you know, on, on top of my iPad. You know, I'll, I'll be watching, you know, 16 college football games uh, on a given Saturday instead of just going to the Utah Tech game. Uh, even though I love Utah Tech, I can watch 16 at home. That game can be on one of my screens, right? And so as it evolves, I'm not going to fault you if, if you're scared or if you're mad about the evolution, but it's just better to jump on the train uh, now. Let it ride because I think it's going to, at the end of the day, we're all going to love it. The college football playoffs is awesome. The ratings prove it. It gets way better ratings than the BCS, minus a few instances. They get very, very solid ratings. We like it. We'll watch it. And I think the, 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 the more urgency, the bigger games, uh, and the expanded college football that, you know, Oregon can lose to Ohio if they're in the Big Ten. And it doesn't matter because Oregon can still get in and they can redeem themselves. Those kind of things I think will play big. And that's my kind of take on it. I love the way that college football is headed. I think that there are a lot of issues that we've solved. We can kind of check the box on. Now, I still think the, the main issue is taking regionality of college football and trying to make it a nationality, trying to make it go national, regional brands. Is somebody in Vermont really going to wear the University of Utah? Now, maybe that's a bad example, but is someone in Vermont going to wear a USC? That is yet to be seen. Maybe, maybe they'll get a huge following. Maybe we'll be able to, you know, but I, I trust me, college football is good for it. We're kind of, you know, breaking off some of the rust. Still love your tradition. I still love rivalry week. I say it over and over again. University of Utah and BYU not playing the last week in November just kills me. It just it just makes me sad. It meant so much for the state. There are two different conferences. I'd love to see them under the one umbrella again. That would be awesome. And, you know, same thing with, with a West Virginia and a Pittsburgh. I would love to see those brands back together. A West Virginia and a Virginia Tech. Uh, you know, a West Virginia... Marshall's a little bit different, um, but you're still going to have regionality. You look at the Sun Belt; they basically consolidated uh, the little schools in the in the southeast, and so there's still going to be a regionality aspect to it. Uh, the Mountain West still is really regional, but I would not I'm not opposed to seeing a USC uh, you know go into Happy Valley in October. I think it would be absolutely amazing, and I think we're going to see some amazing college football games and. Truth be told, I think we're going to see it in the ratings. I, I really do. Even a UCLA going to Penn State, the ratings will reflect what what we know. Anyway, so those are those are just my thoughts on college football. Uh, <clears throat> obviously, there's going to be a lot of trickle down effect into the FCS. Questions will <clears throat> will remain for teams like uh, like uh, North Dakota State, South Dakota State, uh, a Weber State, Montana, Montana State. Those kind of schools will have a lot of questions. Uh, do they move up? into the, the FBS, if they're going to have a 16-team playoff, is it is it better that we get a, you know, a, a, a conference like the Mountain West, which is a little bit higher revenue sharing than the Big Sky? Uh, I really think the almighty dollar will come into play on a lot of these decisions, but you already see it. You know, James Madison moving up, Jacksonville State moving up, uh, 
Sam Houston moving up. A, a lot of these teams are, are, are moving up, and uh, they're taking advantage of it while they can. I did read uh, from one guy, uh, a source, saying that uh, due to the, the rules in a couple of years, it's going to make it very difficult to make the transition. So as this continues to evolve, and if we see these super conferences, I wouldn't be surprised if some of the FCS teams that leave uh, – to go to the FBS and, and it'll be a lot of fun. We'll continue to, to follow them and uh, their trajectory, but uh, very interesting. So those are my thoughts on the state of college football and the ever, you know, the ever changing landscape that is college football. Um, I really appreciate you guys for tuning in, listening, uh, feel free to reach out. I'm always available. I, I love talking college football. Love to hear your thoughts on it. Uh, specifically our, our listeners, you know, we have, we're starting to get amazing downloads. Thank you to everyone that subscribed. Uh, we continue to grow every single year, every single, you know, downloads are going through the roof. Uh, subscription are going through the roof. Uh, if you haven't, be sure to hit that subscribe button. It doesn't cost anything uh, wherever you listen to your podcast and uh, then you'll be notified when a new podcast gets released. Uh, we'll be doing this in just a few weeks, getting ready for the preseason, the start of college football, and uh, have a couple of fun plans going forward. Again, be sure to uh, tune into the Orange and Blue podcast along with the Sling and the Pill podcast if you want to hear more from me. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, let's keep the ball rolling. Stay safe out there.